This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Now to the point for Quinn Hughes. Hughes finds a shooting lane, takes a shot, tip, they score! Ten seconds left. Miller to Pedersen, through it to the net, Besser scores! With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Hughes, left wing for Besser. Around Johnson, trying to drive the goal. Besser in front for Pedersen. He scores! Elias Pedersen completes the comeback for the Canucks. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks storm back from a 4-1 deficit, win 5-4 in overtime at a thriller at Rogers Arena against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. We are going to bring in Brett Festerling into the discussion in just a moment. You can always get in touch with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, one 275 650 And what a performance here by the Canucks in the third period. Stormed back, and the power play got them back into the game. They win in overtime. Elias Pettersson gets the game-winning goal. Another one for number EP40. But it's just the response they had in the third. The Canucks completely put that switch back on again. And you know what, Brett? It was a story of three periods, really. The Canucks were dominant in the first, had nothing to show for it. Fall asleep for like a couple minutes in the in the second. The next thing you know, you're down 4-1. And then in the third, they just come storming back. Yeah, it's it was a empty the tanks. We got nothing to save it for yeah. our fellas moment. I think they did a good job drawing those penalties. You saw that. And then... The story we've seen all year is when you've needed players or PP or PK or yeah. whatever it is to step up in those moments, they they have, and they continued that. And it's a nice cherry on top to go into the break here, kind of end this segment before the big push into the, you know, into the playoff season in March and April. It wasn't perfect, but you still, like, the job is still to win. And ultimately they end up with two points tonight. We'll talk about all the things that you know, went right, went wrong. But, hey, look, you get two points. And to empty the tanks, is, as you said, Brett, in the final 20, and kind of a PO'd group in that final third as well. And JT Miller, like, whipping the puck around on the power play, something I want to get into later. But you could see the tone suddenly shifted. of like, okay, the second period was unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. I think you nailed it. They, they went in, like, this isn't us. This isn't our standard. And then they came out and showed exactly what their standard was. Yeah, they certainly did. And, I mean, you know, JT Miller, you mentioned him. He came alive on the power play, had an egregious turnover um, in the second period in his own zone, led to the 4-1 goal, 3-1 goal at the time, Jake Bean. And that was after he made a terrific play to Brock Besser. And Elias Patterson in the second turns the puck over on the power play, leads to Texier's goal on the 2-1-1. So both the Canucks' top-line centers, the two best offensive players, were at fault for a couple of goals, right? They responded in a huge way. And not only, you know, you mentioned on the power play, but every time those two guys were out there on separate lines in the third, they were looking to inflict domination. I mean, they, they really looked motivated for making a couple mistakes in the second. I'm happy it turned out that way because I called the second Miller. He got pissed off and he hit somebody, and you could just tell that switch. Like, yeah. Miller's so animated. It's so easy to read his body language, right, <laughs> where he is. So 
I'm I'm lucky that it turned out that way because you knew something was going to happen, yeah. good or bad. He was going to he was going to be a difference in the game. And you're right, he came out and he really showed why he's headed to the All Star game and why he's a big part of this club. I'm just curious in those moments, like you go in, you know that period it was it was rough, and you're thinking, okay, three goals, we've got to start working our way back. You don't get the early one. What's the mentality? In the third, if yeah. you don't get the early one, yeah. it's just one goal. Like you're 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 really just thinking, crack the dam. Mm-hmm. You just start that, and then you, you hopefully you get that kind of locomotive wind up, you know, and then it's just go. So it's way it's way different if you get if they're four one and you've got thirteen minutes left, mm-hmm. then you're every D's down the wall, every D's jumping up when you can to get to at least that four two moment where you can pull the net and you're within two. But to get the early one, it changes that. Now it's just okay. Now we can just play our game. Like we should be able to catch up if we just play Vancouver hockey and. You know, they get two two PP calls, and there you go. Earn power play calls, too, right? Yeah. Like the one Miller's going to the net, it, it clearly hands on him, or uh, sticks on him, and then the other one as well uh, on Jenner. It's, you know, comes across, and yeah. Garland's trying to work through traffic as well. Um, have you ever seen anything like the uh, review? We were talking over the rules during it. Mm-hmm. They, they called the coal hit. Yeah. yeah, they called the coal hit and then completely changed it. And the rules, I don't think you're allowed to do that. I, I'm very interested to see how they respond to this. I get that the NHL is under magnif, you know, uh, to whatever magnifying glass right now in terms of the hits and some of the dirty hits that have come. Yeah, and I saw that on the coal one. I didn't s- foresee them switching it to a yeah. major for mine. It'd be one thing if they didn't send a guy to the box. Yeah, and they're just like, hey, let's just clear this up. Yeah. But when you announce that, like, Cole's going in for interference and then you're going for the review and then you make the bait and switch, that's where it kind of gets murky. If they just said, hey, we're reviewing this yeah. and we just want to clarify, I think it would be understandable to a certain degree. But when you already announce Cole's going in, that's where there's all this confusion of, like, okay, how are yeah. you doing this? Well, I think the only way the the referees could justify it is if they got the players wrong where they thought – that it was Cole that hit Corrali, and they reviewed it afterwards, and then they realized it was Myers that hit him. That's the only but way. But you would have known it was elbowing, and you wouldn't have called it interference. And I agree with you. But that's the only yeah. thing you can look at. That's the only way you can, because the rules yeah. clearly state you can't call a different infraction. But because the infractions happened right next to one another, I guess they could justify that they got the players wrong, right? I mean, they could justify that because the players were so close. I don't buy it at all because you clearly see yeah. the ref's arm go up after the Cole hit. Not the first hit, the second hit. The yeah. arm just shoots right up afterwards. They're distinctive hit. I can yeah. see if it's four guys into a play and it's just mayhem and there's, you know. Like, you saw one happened. elbow go up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's two distinct hits and an arm going up for the Cole hitch, which I do understand the review and the major call on that because of what the league's been doing and going through with these calls. Call it three three feet from the boards, yeah. from behind, that kind of thing. But, <laughs> yeah, the switch is going to be tough to justify here. They pulled the uh, Princess Bride move, the switcheroo, right? <laughs> the, the old switcheroo. The battle of wits has commenced. I didn't know you were a Princess Bride guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, it's a classic. It, man. Is, it, is it a was classic. inconceivable. It was inconceivable. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, you know, you know, and it's funny because we can laugh about it now. It would have been a completely different tone in our text. that okay. fans were upset about it. But, Bic, you have a hypothetical scenario here to throw by I, I pitched this sat and we kind of just go, well, this is interesting. Would you have preferred that they called it the way they did? They gave Myers the five in the game. Or just said, okay, look, we reviewed it, Cole interference, but you know they're going to try to manage the game the rest of the way now because they, you know, 
someone's getting screwed over no matter what in that scenario. Yeah. And it's either the Canucks or the Blue Jackets. And I just wonder, it's like, hey, is it easier to just kill off the five with all the motivation, all the juice in the building, or just know the rest are going to go, hey, one or two more the rest of the way? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I, I know it happened. It's hard for me to – Yeah, no, exactly. The five-minute kill is amazing. I yeah. think that was incredible. I think that's so good mentally for that penalty kill team kind of within the team. So many clears. They were on it. So many zone denials as well. They were a more dangerous team <laughs> yeah. on the offensive side than Columbus yeah. was for that. But, like, the confidence going forward in that time in the game in a tied game I think is huge for that group going forward. So – Knowing that now, I love that they actually went through that and pulled through it. Well, I mean, the crowd was absolutely buzzing throughout that five-minute PK. Every single time the Canucks got a clear, they were cheering like it was a goal. I mean, he really got the fans buying in in a like, tribal sense almost. Like, <laughs> let's kill this off, let's go. And they were cheering every single clear. I mean, the vibe in the third period of the building was absolutely fantastic. It's And, and I'm sure the players get a boost like that. The team comes storming back. The crowd's like on you. It's, it gives you that little bit, extra bit of juice, I'm sure. Yeah, it's so nice. And it's something – that I realized more in Europe because you get that you get that hockey or the football soccer crowd that's standing drumming singing the whole mm-hmm. time and they build the momentum with the big kills like that. So to see that entire crowd get behind that penalty kill and really cheer and get it, that's you know with the hair on your neck standing up yeah. <laughs> and players feel that and you get that adrenaline and you do that. So it's it's fun to see. It's a great atmosphere right now in this team. Uh, we talked about the power play. They they get the goals to come back into it, but uh, we get to say officially for the first time, Brock Besser, 30-goal scorer. What do you think about his night tonight? Amazing. How good does that feel? Like He's pr- heard about this 29 goals for, you know, since his yeah. rookie season. Really, he's been chasing it. So to get that monkey off the back and have the season he's having with the season the team's having, like, that's got to feel amazing. So – Good for him, and he's been clutch and huge. He's such a good player, or he's showing that he's still that player he was. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic watching Brock Besser do his thing on the power play. And, you know, the man advantage, ever since Pew Suter's got on it, he got on the last game, was two power play goals last game, three power play goals tonight. And really, it was the Canucks' man advantage that got them back into this game again. Yeah, well, t- talk talked about the left-hand shot being in the middle. Yeah. Being that, so... If you look at, I think all three of those went through. One went to Hughes. Mm-hmm. One, the first one went to Petey. Then the winger had to come down. So the second one went to Hughes. And the third one went to Petey. But that's tension drawn by Suter in that middle being a threat that allows those to open up. Because those guys are kind of cheating. Like, mm-hmm. hey, man, we need to jump this guy. If Miller comes down and goes low and then pops it to Suter, somebody needs to have him. So I think that's very beneficial for what actually happened tonight with those three goals. So, so you need the four lefties in that spot? Because it's Kuzmenko's spot, right? And last year we saw Horvat lefty, yeah. in that bumper spot. And, you know, we always talk so much about, like, well, it's going to go to Pedersen. What are his options outside to just shoot it? Yeah. With a lefty there, and we've seen so far this year, like it's, it's, it's been Besser and Kuzmenko. The, the, the lefty changes the dynamics of all that? Yeah, totally. Like the righty for me as a D-man in front, the righty's not a pop play. So mm. I'm not worried about when it goes low to Besser, then I can just let – Besser, stay over there. Right. Like, see you later. You do everything you want the corner. If, if you take the inside lane to the blade, basically. Yeah, it's way more dangerous at the point yeah. because I know he's going to be that high tip Sedin play. So that's when I'll flex out to that guy. But now that he's a lefty, now I'm cheating to that guy. You know what? There's, there's three guys that are like, oh, this guy can be dangerous in different spots. So it just 
opens more of those seams. And when you mentioned pot play, just to kind of illuminate it for the audience, it means you're kind of jumping at the space from another's position. Yeah, you're going from the screen, so the, the puck's at the point. You're the screen guy, and then it goes low to the guy on the goal line, and I immediately take off, call it 6 to 10 feet, out into not directly in the slot, but more towards the face-off dot. That's a soft area. So you'll see it go directly down to the goal line, and then it's a one-touch pass into that soft area, kind of just inside the circle, and then you shoot it. That's a really dangerous play, and that's actually the progression off Miller coming downhill mm -hmm. shooting it is the pop play. So the fact that now you have Suter as that, it just it makes all those guys think about what the next opportunity is. for. And they can open up the backdoor play too, I guess, if you overcommit coming across. Because what happens is it goes low, and then the short side D-man wants to protect that guy. Mm -hmm. So then your far D-man that's actually protecting the PD one timer yeah. is like, oh, the pop guy, he's kind of there. Yeah. Maybe I should cheat towards him. And that just opens all those back doors. So that's a nice, nice job by the Canucks. We talked yesterday on the show uh, about that diamond formation on the PK. And it did, again, look like on the goal, got stretched again on the Marchenko goal. Yeah. It started in a box, then it went to the point, and they rotated to this diamond. And it just a little wide and Marchenko we were talking about the guy in the bumper yeah the, 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 all the strategies can work but it just felt like there are moments when that they go to that diamond we've seen it here recently guys get frozen and guys get stretched a bit why do you think that's happening so when you go to the diamond the D-men need to come out in front the flanks so that's where you get a little stretched out because in more of like we, we used to call it five on dice or umbrella or whatever where mm -hmm. you have think about five on a dice those guys that's where your forwards are fronting and then they're coming downhill to cut off the one-timer or put pressure on the one-timer guys the, that allows the d-man to go call it stick stretched not even to the dot whereas if you have the flank one-timers your d-man's now are like feet at the dot or maybe a little more if it's a dangerous player so that just stretches your d-man further away from the net which just creates more mm -hmm. for call it your rebounds or your high tips or just those kind of scramble plays. Because the, the guy that's coming, the, the puck carrier, like we saw last game, Thomas was essentially starting from the blue line yeah. and coming downhill. Goudreau, same thing. And just, I imagine like you're already so far out. Yeah. And we've seen them be passive but then be aggressive. Like from location, go after it and, and, and put pressure on. And this one, it just feels like they're kind of static. Yeah. And, and, and these lanes kind of open up. Yeah, the problem is though, if you don't if you don't rotate into that diamond, then those D-men are so far sure. away from those one-timers. And yeah. you've got a guy like Fantilli that can shoot it, or mm -hmm. they, that uh, um, Ch Chinikov. Yeah. Like, he, his shot was incredible. Those little shots, those little wristers. So it's what, if you're, it's way easier to block it up close. And if you're too c close to Demko and the one-timers are coming in, one, you're too far away. Two, you're, you're blocking Demko. You're just screening them. So it, it's kind of useless if you're too far away. Let's go outside the Canucks locker room. We're joined by Canucks forward JT Miller. And JT, uh, that was quite the comeback. What was the message for the guys in the third? Uh, well, we weren't really playing well up until then, so it was nice to get some power plays. And it's nice for the you know power play to win us the game and then the PK to hold them off there. So special teams were nice. Uh, what uh, clicked on the PK or on the power play in the third? What some things that you guys were looking at to well, we really do well against certain types of kills, and we struggle against others. So we got lucky tonight that we uh, we like the look that we got, and um, we're able to capitalize. Well, in terms of how you guys started the game, I thought you guys were really good in the first period. Obviously, didn't get a goal for it. In the second, they capitalized on a few mistakes. Like, how did you feel about how you started and end the game, but also what happened in that middle frame? Yeah, the first wasn't bad. The we just turned the puck over way too much. Uh, 
you know, I had two terrible turnovers there, and then it just seemed like snowball. And um, yeah, like I said, we I love the you know the desperate mentality our team has, the no quit, and I'm really glad the power play saw a little success, and then. Yeah, it was a really good third period. Obviously did a lot to draw penalties, and then the penalty kill coming up huge at the end. There was adversity, obviously, coming back, and then also the, the whole five-minute major uh, adversity. How do you use that to springboard coming into the break and then beyond? I just want to take a break. <laughs> I think everybody's <laughs> on the same page. Um, we earned it. Uh, we're going to use this time to rest up and get ready to go for the, the grind of the season. Oh, you got the All-Star uh, festivities coming up later this week, but do you have anything planned ahead of that? I'm just heading home. I'm going to turn my phone off and... Head to the woods for a couple of days with my friends and a couple family members and just tune out for three or four days. Relax. Well, JT, we'll let you get to it. Fantastic stuff up until the All-Star break. Have fun and enjoy the break, and best of luck uh, at the All-Star festivities. Thanks, guys. You got it. That is Canucks forward JT Miller tonight after a 5-4 Canucks victory, a comeback win for the team. JT Miller had three assists tonight. Uh, Elias Pettersson had two goals and an assist, and Brock Besser, a four-point performance, three goals, a hat trick. But it was Elias Pettersson with a game-winning goal, and he is now tied with Sam Reinhart for the league lead with nine game-winning goals, Brett. Yeah, like he comes through in the clutch. And Bick and I did the L.A. draft the other day, and he was mad that he didn't have PD. <laughs> you get nine game winners. You're right. He yeah. is captain clutch a bit in those circumstances. So he does have a knack for showing up in some masses, which is what we've talked about for the PP and the PK. Like you got to be happy to where this team is at right now in terms of the season and the segment of this part of the this season. No question about it. This text here. Our Dunbar, Dunbar Lumber 650-650. Good breakdown, Brett. Cheers from Quinnell. So a lot of love for uh, Brett Festerling on the call tonight. Thanks. Great breakdown on the postgame show. Oh, we got to hit a break. We're way late, but fantastic stuff, man. And uh, enjoy the break. We'll look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you. That's uh, Brett Festerling. This is the Canucks Central postgame show after a 5-4 Canucks victory in overtime over the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the Canucks Central postgame show is presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? The number 5 is open. More coming up on the other side. And the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. To the line for Hughes. 15 seconds left of the power play. Pedersen right wing tries a shot. It rolls through the crease out the near side to Miller on the left boards. 10 seconds left. Miller to Pedersen. Threw it to the net. Besser scores! Brock Besser has his sixth career hat trick. And he ties the game for the Canucks. They were down 4-1 to at the start of the third period. And it's 4-4 before the seven-minute mark. <laughs> They're not boring. It's not boring in here. That's the same pass. Miller going low. Everybody's expecting a shot to the net. He puts it. Sauce pass through to the far circles. Petey's in the exact same spot he scored from. But this time, he's putting on the ice. Besser and Suter all by themselves in front because Columbus has been stretched out to the perimeters. And Besser bangs it home. He's so good in front finding that puck. Brock Besser with a hat trick. Hits 30 goals for the season. And that is tonight's play of the game. Uh, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. And, you know, Bick, uh, Brock's had a magnificent season. And leading into this game, you know, Dan and I were talking on, on the pregame show about how he's kind of gone quiet the past few games, got six-game you know, uh, streak without scoring goals. Somebody texted in and said, 
Besser hat trick incoming tonight. He's getting 30 tonight, and well, he got a hat trick. And you know, it, it, sure, a couple bounces here and there. You know, the hat trick goal, of course, but. Again, being on the right spot, deflecting pucks in, really taking advantage on the man advantage, and this is something that he's done this season, being really deadly on the power play. Certainly, and you know we, the the void that was needed to be filled as far as power play goals coming from Bo Horvat last year, it, it was begging for an opportunity for somebody, and it certainly looks like Brock Besser is the one that staked that claim because uh, he's now up to thirteen or sorry, uh, twelve power play goals mm-hmm. on the year. Pretty good. This is really strong from Brock. And in that spot, causing panic and havoc in, in front of Merzlikens. And then just you're just so happy to see they finally got to 30. Yeah. Right? That big monkey off the back. He made the declaration at the beginning of the last season, didn't get there. And there was the whole offseason hoopla and the chance to reset. And now hey, he's always going to be the 30-goal scorer. And now the market's pushed to 40. Yeah, and you know, you know what? Well, we we talked about this when he got hot. Can he reach 40? How high can he go? And I uh, know he's only 10 off of 40 now, and he got 33 games remaining at the All Star break. What a tremendous season by Brock Besser! And that is tonight's play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in. Langley at Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And, you know, we are going to go to the phone boards in just a second, Bick, but let's fire off a few text messages. Hot and heavy on the text inbox tonight. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one, uh, evening gentlemen, this wasn't Picasso, although the win... I believe you'll agree with me on the premise that they're starting to get sloppy. Do you see the break as a method to come back to the basics, or is it a jump-off point to a decline in success? I think they're just happy to get to the break, and you know the, the way Rick Tockett has done this, of, of establishing the staples and everything like that. Chance to reset. They'll come back. I, I, I think they'll springboard off of this. Uh, this one, uh, Curtis and Kamloops, not going to lie, turned it off at 4-1, saw the PD goal to begin the third, and just had a feeling nice to go into the break with a W. This one, we are witnessing something. Something special, folks. Canucks in recent years would have never won this game. Love the show. Uh, thanks, fellas. And then this uh, last one, uh, question. Rather than having Pedersen double shift on the fourth line, wouldn't it make more sense that Pedersen double shift with Besser and Miller? Suter could take a few of the Oman shifts to get the minutes where you want them. I think it was more about getting two guys who were constantly skating for Elias Pedersen than it was double shifting Pedersen. Well, you're, you're so right about that. The first shift of the game, um, it, Pedersen was with... Uh, I, I think they started every period. Yeah, together. and same thing with third, and then he was skating. It, it seemed like to get his get legs going, he threw them on with those players, and that's kind of the method, you know, to that madness, so to speak. I, know, I don't think scoring goals was the issue tonight. They scored five, and the power play came through in a massive, massive way. Mike, the meteorologist, says, Miller is going into the woods. My God, can he not just take on a plane and go to Cabo for a couple of days? <laughs> Aren't there grizzlies, cougars, and hypothermia in the woods? Fingers crossed for a safe return. That's Mike the Meteorologist stressing about uh, JT Miller going off the grid uh, back home in Pennsylvania for a few days. All right. We'll come back to some of your text messages as the show goes on here, but let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Let's start things off in Surrey where we have Nathan on the line. Nathan, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, What are your thoughts tonight? Hello. You guys got me? Yeah, we got you. Bears, big Satyar Galactica. What's up to the boys in the booth going Metallica tonight? Happy New Year, boys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're fantastic. Happy man. New Year's. It's, it's, 
It's almost February, man. Well, it's my it's my first phone call for the New Year, boys. So fair I had enough, to check enough. in. You know how All it right. is. I tried to get on last game, but I had my beer league I had to get to, so I had to drop my line. But Not you guys priorities. doing well there? What's one on the air appropriate New Year's res for both y'all? Besides the obvious of Vic hitting the gym, hey? <laughs> no, no. That, yeah, that one didn't make the cut this year. Yeah, I don't really no, do didn't? New Year's. Oh, come on no. now. Come on now. Oh, uh, you really got to get out New there Year's eventually. So, uh, but as far as the game, what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, 100%, man. And Brock the Rock best there. So I, I, I predicted a Brock goal tonight. And, of course, he overcompensates by getting three. Like, uh, <laughs> this, this guy is an absolute phenom right now. Just like that, he hits the elusive 30-goal mark. Over his, I believe, seven seasons as a Canuck, seven or eight seasons it's been, he hasn't been able to hit it. He hits it in one freaking game before the All-Star break, boys. Great for his confidence going into that, and I don't believe he had scored in about six or seven games there, so it's great to get that monkey off his back into the All-Star break. Um, and he's such a master on the tip with J- that JT's shot pass. It might just be the Canucks' best offensive weapon with JT loading up um, and cocking, faking the shot, right? And then he absolutely sends it uh, to whoever stick is in front, Brock's or uh, Petey's. Absolutely asinine officiating tonight, boys. And not just tonight. Like, last game, freaking the dual cross-checks, uh, Husey in the corner, like there's the cross-check flyby. And then um, Petey one decides the, the game outcome last game. And then tonight, a major penalty for an incidental elbow on a hit. If John the Shorty Shorthouse is saying he's losing brain cells after that one, I may as well have turned into a prokaryotic cell at this point. Like, my goodness. <laughs> Seeing Pedersen channel some anger into finishing his checks is so invigorating. And he was annihilating blue jackets left and right in the third, boys. Um, props to the boys earning their keep before the All-Star game. And kudos to all five that are going. You boys have a great break. Let's go, Cup Bound, baby! Thanks for your thoughts. That is Nathan in Surrey uh, calling in. And, you know, you know, Pedersen, obviously, we talked about this before. He didn't have a great second period. Uh, a lot of Canucks had a poor second period, but really came out determined in the third. Far more focus, far more focus and movement from Elias Pedersen. And then his goal, it was a real casual celebration of like, okay, yeah, we got one. Okay, the, 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 a lot more work still to do. And... You, you saw him move in on the PK, throws a big hit as well along the wall, helps get a couple of clears. The the seriousness from the entire group ratcheted up in the third period. Yeah. And it, it's nice to, especially against competition like Columbus, you know, one of the league's lows this year, to show that you can tip the scale in your favor real fast and play with the tempo. That, that tempo is going to be what is normal come playoff time. So every few weeks or so, you're going to have to activate that level of intensity. Yeah, you really do. Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to Randy in Coquitlam. Randy, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight after a 5-4 Canucks overtime win? Hey, man. Uh, hopefully I get time to get my whole piece across here. But anyway, I just I just want to talk about Brock Besser. Um, I, I was a fan of this guy before he even got here. Um, I'm sure everybody's aware of, uh, you know, the situation when he was in college and he took the, uh, the handicapped girl to the prom and the, guy, the guy's obviously full of character and I'm just so happy that he's been able to uh, to finally get healthy, finally put his demons behind him, get over his dad and, and show what kind of a player he is. But even more important, I was walking out of the rink tonight in the pouring rain to my car and uh, I'd actually bought a, a Bresser t-shirt tonight and there was a kid and a dad ahead of me. The kid was about nine, 
and he had a Besser shirt on. So I caught, I caught up to them, and I said to the kid and the dad, I said, man, you must be pretty proud tonight, eh? And, he, and the kid, the dad turned around, he had a stick in his hand, and he said, this is the stick that Besser used to score the winning goal. So I don't know how the kid got the stick. I wasn't there when he did it, but that just shows what kind of a class act that guy is. And if I cannot ever think of trading him, I'll tell you, I'll lose a lot of respect. So kudos to Besser, man. That's all I got to say. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that is Randy Quitlam calling in about Brock Besser, giving a lot of love and, and mentioning how good a guy Brock Besser is postgame, giving it his uh, stick tonight to, to a kid. And, I, I mean, uh, we, you know, we've never heard anything bad about Besser in terms of his character. I mean, Certainly we can criticize not. his play maybe the last couple of years, but has had a lot going on in his life. But uh, in terms of what he's done to the community and helping people out, that's always been a big part of uh, Besser's character. Yeah, the personality. Like, even upon getting drafted, you know, there's yeah. – um, Randy telling some pre-draft stories. It, it, look, there's never been any doubt about uh, what Brock Besser is off the ice. It's you know, questions that, that, that were valid about what happens on the ice. And, you know, a, a season like this, really putting it together, sitting at 30 goals. You know, we've discussed what's the ceiling here. We've discussed this with, like, the 45 and a half goals. Uh, I took the over. I thought he'd get to 46. And, you know, suddenly 16 away with uh, a bulk of the season to go. Uh, I get my number was 42. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see what the number gets to for Brock Besser for goals on the season. All right, uh, let's continue on the phone boards. People have been waiting patiently to get on 604-280-0650 or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. Let's go to East Van where we have Joe. Joe, thanks for calling in. And what are your thoughts tonight? Hi guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, I listen to you guys quite a bit because uh, I'm always working in my work truck. Uh, for BCAA, and uh, I only get to listen to the games on the radio. Um, but I wanted to say about two things. One was the uh, the hit, the elbow. I think that is probably just the league uh, making an example that, you know, that won't be tolerated, right? So I hope that because I didn't see it. I'll see it a little later tonight. But that's what I'm hoping for. The second thing was I was praying because I've been, I've, I've been through the Canucks BS for years and years, we got so close to the cup and that, but I was praying that the Canucks would win this game because I wanted them to go to the All-Star game, all five of them, and, and just brag a little bit about the fact that we are at the top of our division in our area, and, you know, look out for us as we go forward after the All-Star game. I'm really happy about the fact of how the Canucks came back it really shows how they are all clicking together, especially Brock. And I really hope that when they come back from this break, that they get still going and have that focus to get to the big show. And I thank you for taking my call. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for the phone call. Um, that so, is Joe and East Van. I appreciate you listening. While we, we're glad to keep you company while you're working. Absolutely. Um, so, Joe, you can actually even have more pride because it's not even first in the division. It's not even first in the conference, Sat. It's first in the league. First in the league. First in the league. Now, uh, 724 points percentage tied with uh, Boston, 71 points tied with Boston, but they get the tiebreaker. So they are first in the league. 
They are uh, first in the National Hockey League. And, and as far as the, the call goes, okay, we have a lot of people texting in uh, about that call. Uh, we have somebody somebody texted in and said, I'm a BCHL official, mm-hmm. um, and that's never a major. Um, that's never a five-minute call. That's not what the rule book says. That's not what they teach us. This is getting tiring. And a slew of text messages coming in, similar sentiments about how, how that couldn't have been a five-minute major for elbowing. In terms of the rule book, Vic, walk us through what it says in terms of oh what boy, they can okay. review on a five-minute major. Because by the rules, you can't review a separate incident if you're, if you're reviewing one incident. And it's clear there was two separate incidents on that play. Cole on a Columbus player and Myers with his elbow on Corrali. Two separate players, two separate incidents, but in very close proximity. You still want me to read it? Yes. Feels like you, you... Did I already explain it? No, you just like read the punchline. Like, hey, tell the joke. It's like, what? Ah, uh, my bad. All right, we'll do this. 20.6 <laughs> on ice video review of major penalties. Referees shall review all plays that result in the assessment of any major penalty other than a major penalty for fighting for the purpose of confirming or modifying their original call on the ice. Such reviews will be conducted exclusively by the referees on the ice in consultation with the other on-ice officials uh, using technology specified in you know, tablet. I'm not going to read 38.5. Nevertheless, communication between the situation room and the on-ice officials shall be limited to contact between the appropriate game logger situation room and the referee to ensure receiving any in all video they might request as well as the appropriate replay angles they may need to review the penalty call there shall be no other contact or consultation between the on-ice officials and the situation room or any other non-game participant uh, non-game participant the referee shall have the following options after a video review of his own call confirming his original major penalty call reducing his original major penalty call to a lesser penalty or rescinding the original major penalty altogether so right. th- they rescinded Coles, but they made up another one with Tyler Mars, and not made up like he does elbow. I, yeah, and but I mean, hey, you you could make the case, I guess, for them that they got the players mixed up, and that would kind of fall into okay, you're not changing the play. I agree. But like the protocols talk- do not exist for that. I agree. Now, Elliot Friedman checked with the league office, and he reported on the Hockey Night in Canada after the game that the league's response was they got it right in the end. Yeah, the, the quote from Elliot was, I'd never seen it before. Uh, I asked if it was legal, and they said, just get the call right. At the end of the day, the review is about getting the call right. <laughs> that's that's such an insane answer to me. Because like uh, they got the call right, which technically is true, but is the protocol not in place because technicalities matter? Anyways, listen, it didn't matter. The Canucks won this game. They killed off a five-minute major. It was a great rattling moment for the team and everything. So post-game, we're not sitting here and talking about it. But it doesn't pass a smell test for me. That's all. That, that's all. It's just weird because technically they got the call right. They did, but the they, way they went about the it, 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 it's actually very reflective of the Canucks game tonight. You know what Bad it was? Process good result. You know what it was? You know how uh, back in school, like you have to fin- you have to do like math equations. You have to show your work. Yeah. They got the answer, and it's like, don't worry about the work. We got the right answer. Yeah. You know, but hey, um, that's the thing about it. Now, as far as a f- actually, hang was, on, let me pose this back to the listeners. Okay, let me just let me just say one oh, thing anyway. So. In terms of a fi- um, elbow being called a five-minute major, so an elbow can be called a five-minute major if, if if it inflicts injury on a player. And clearly, the elbow inflicted injury, right? It did, like it drew blood. So yeah. any minor penalty, and especially the the elbows and reckless hits or hits from behind that cause injury, can be upgraded to a five-minute major. So that within the rules is legitimate. The process in which they got there is what we're asking about. But Bick, yes, pose the question. Now that we've calmed down from the hoopla of the immediate post game. Would you have rather it turned out the way it did, 
and, and you go through this five-minute major, or you say, hey, the, the Cole call is a penalty, but you know, you just know the referees are going to shade one or two more penalties the rest of the way. Because it, it's – technically, they egregiously missed the the elbow. Right. They did it on review, but like they missed it in real time. So you know if they're going to go look at it, is it better off to just do the five and everything's square or have a couple more penalties go against you the rest of the way? Because you know that's how it's going to get handled. Yeah, I mean, I, 650, I don't 650. But I, I still think you'd rather take the minors – because the five-minute major, if they would have scored, and then you get on your heels, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, it, it doesn't end. It goes f- a full five minutes no matter what. I'd still rather ha- deal with minors as opposed mm-hmm. to ma- a five-minute major. That's how I – and they probably won't give you them more than two anyways, unless they somehow gave them a five-on-three, and that would be, like, the dangerous moment. You know that they would have. <laughs> you know that they, <laughs> they very well could have. Right, let's take one more phone call uh, before we hit the break, uh, and let's go to Tarn and Ladner. Uh, Tarn, thanks for holding on to your line. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, boys. How you doing? Doing well, man. What's going on? Okay. Are we happy with, like, are we happy where we are at? What do you mean in terms of leading the league? No. Are we won three. So what? Are we happy? About about what? The Canucks winning? Man, is the job done yet? The job is not done yet. <laughs> Come on, man. The job is not there. Oilers won today. That's fine. We won today. The job's not done yet, man. Oh, my God. We're so happy that we won. Job's not done yet. Like, Talker knows what he wants to do. Talker's here for the cup. He's not here for, like, no BS. Oh, we won today. That's fine. We barely won today. That's fine. We, you, you guys are always, you know, we barely won today. Oilers won easy. Oilers are coming. Did you watch the Oilers? Wait, wait, wait. Did you watch the Oilers game? Did you watch the Oilers game today? Okay, I will, I will be transparent. I did not watch the game. Okay, no, so just to say, like, they won. It was, I think uh, it was 4-1. I think it was, 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 was 4-1. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, you, you mean, it, they, they won 4-1, but Nashville pretty much dominated that game, and they got great goals. There you go, then. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm just saying, just saying. It was an cool. easy fourth. Awesome. Go on. That's good. I'm just saying, watch out, man. We're, just, we're, we're winning. Even though we won tonight, it's a joke. We should not want tonight. We all know it. We should How not should, want okay. Hey, Tarn, thanks for the phone call. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they should. I mean, listen, they won the hockey game. That's all, you know. They haven't won the Stanley Cup because it's, uh, as last I checked, it's January 27th, but they're 49 games into the season. Was that Tarn and Ladner? Yeah. See, this is why you have a spreadsheet called Mark It Down. I have, a, I have it marked down on November 4th that Tarn and Ladner said they're going to the Western Conference Final. So is Tarn happy in November but not happy in January? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they won the hockey game. But I, I, I will them. respect the uh, Kobe Bryant uh, reference there. The job's not finished. No, well job's well not done. Finished. Well done. Yeah, job's not finished. I understand. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll take more of your phone calls on the other side. Hold on to your phone board. 604-280-0650. We'll hear from the head coach and more of you after a 5-4 Canucks win in overtime on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Elias Patterson. 
at his own line. Winds away from Fantilli. Through the center ice circle. Makes another move around Fantilli. Left wing into the Columbus zone. Keeps the puck right wing. Pedersen deking into the slot. Was hooked in the hands by Johnson. Couldn't get a shot away. Blue Jackets mishandle the puck though. And Hughes has it right point. Hughes. Left wing for Besser. Around Johnson trying to drive the goal. Besser in front for Pedersen. He scores! completes the comeback for the Canucks. It's his second of the game, 27th of the season. Vancouver trailed 4-1 after 40 minutes, but they're headed to the All-Star break on an 11-game point streak. They beat the Blue Jackets 5-4. The winning goal from Elias Pedersen. What a comeback. What an entertaining game. I think it's very fitting that Besser gets his stick held. Petey gets his stick hooked. Coming through right after that. Besser makes the move. Backhand through the slot to Petey. Bangs it home. What a comeback. Elias Pettersson gets a game-winning goal, his ninth of the season, tying in with Sam Reinhardt for the league lead this year. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show, presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too, a 5-4 Oak overtime victory by the Canucks. Uh, 604-280-0650. We'll go to the phone boards in a second. A lot of text messages coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. A lot of reaction. We are going to get to the head coach coming up in just a few moments as well. But uh, people got jokes, they got the takes and this one says part of me is surprised that Bick tracks all calls I'm not however surprised he uses Excel to track so uh, you shouldn't be surprised about either really Brock uh, Bick Nazar is definitely a sicko and uh, he has uh, he masters Excel so he tracks just about everything hey I'm happy I got to use Excel on the show tonight I'm happy are you happy Seth <laughs> Are you I'm happy? Ex- are you happy? You are we happy? Be. We still got 45 minutes to go. Job's not done, man. Job's not done. Yeah, Tehran got a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Well, somebody said don't take any more phone calls, text messages only. I don't know if we can. We, we'll take some more phone no, calls. No, we're so. taking phone calls. Right, but what else are people saying on the text inbox here, Bic, before we take a call? Uh, 650-650. One thing I liked about uh, Dakota Joshua, dumps the puck in. Puck is he's always in position where it's easy for his line mates to battle. Or when he clears the puck on the PK, it's very rarely iced. Well, it's on the PK. Uh, it's it's underrated skill from Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal and Burnaby. Uh, this one, oh, we read the ref one, right? Um, uh, Alex from the WAC. I'll start with positive first. Fantastic third. Grit and determination they showed to come back and win. Uh, with the three goals and killing the questionable major, incredible negative. Should never have been in that hole. Terrible giveaways, defensive breakdowns. You won't get away with that in the playoffs. And JT admitted it was a, you know, rough giveaways when he joined us earlier. That he, he, you know, mentioned that he was terrible with some giveaways in the second period. So they clean it up, uh, and they get there. Aaron from Hamilton. My take on the penalty: they called a minor penalty on Cole in the moment. They saw the damage to the Columbus player's face and made it a major. And then watch the replay and penalize the play as it exactly should have been called a major, major on Myers, which makes sense. I guess from Aaron in Hamilton, and there is a uh, text here. I just lost it, but it said, uh, "We should we start calling him Tyler Majors." Tyler Majors, yeah, he got he got a major penalty, not just Tyler Miners, like people like to call him before. Uh, Dave in North Vernon, who says, "The more I see the hockey IQ, stick skills, and versatility of Pew Suter, 
It's hard to believe he was available weeks after free agency. July 1st, what a steal by Jim and Patrick who are demonstrating just what a class act they are compared to the previous era, the Benning era. That is Dave in North Burnaby giving some love and throwing some shade at the same time. It's hard to give compliments to management for people without throwing some shade at the previous one, but that's what happens in the text inbox. Uh, Canucks win 5-4. Let's go back to the phone boards before we get to the head coach, Rick Tockett, uh, and let's take one from Richmond where we have Ben on the line. Ben, what are your thoughts tonight? Guys, first time caller, long time listener. I just want to say Let's happy go. new year and appreciate the card. Appreciate Rookie lap, man, football. bring it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I just got to give all. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I got to give all the love to the Brock Star. Honestly, just so happy that he's around this team to experience the success after what was the tumultuous year between injuries and his pops. And you know, I just you can't help but root for a guy like that. And I just had a quick question for you guys. What do you think is our best-case scenario come playoff time? Because, I mean, I'm still, you know, as well as things have gone, I'm still a little pessimistic and uh, obviously curious to see about what moves they make uh, come trade deadline. I'm hoping that they don't mortgage the future. But do you guys have, uh, like, oh, I would – I think that the Canucks facing X in the first round would probably be best for them to get on that, you know, streak and roll and hopefully – some big and uh, better things down in the summer. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. We'll answer that question on the other side, but before we do that, let's get to the thoughts of the Canucks head coach. Here is Rick Tockett after a 5-4 overtime win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I really liked our game. Um, I mean, I really liked our game start, and obviously uh, missed a lot of nets and stuff. I thought, you know, kind of came out of the first with a couple goal lead, and then, um, you know, then our puck management wasn't good. You guys know that. And the adversity hit us, and the, the guys did a great job. The power play was awesome. PK, special teams, was awesome tonight. Crowd was giving us some juice, and uh, great game like uh, for the third period for us. How good do you feel for Brock to hit 30 goals for the first time in his career? Yeah. No, he was in the right place in the right time tonight. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, it's nice to get the power play going. And, um, you know, he was his goals are right in front of the net. That's where we want him. What have you learned about Brock in the year that you've had him as a player? Well, I, I think, you know, he's had a lot of adversity in his life um, in the way he's dealt with it. Um, even the last 10 games, you know, he's he's been coming to the office a lot, working with the Ozzy. You know, he, he's what I like about it, he recognizes he doesn't like his game, and he's been sticking with it, sticking with it, and, um, you know, getting three goals up. You know, he's a, he's a streaky guy. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, around the net, he's really dangerous. You've talked a lot about wanting the players to speak, you know, in a moment. And so that second intermission, how much was it you and how much was it the players? No, I just said, like, I just said we don't have to hit a home run every shift. I mean, when we got to 2-1, we're looking for home runs instead of just letting the game. That's probably, you know, we're getting better at that. I will tell you that. But it's still something there we got to be careful. Can't hit home run. Sometimes you just got to let the play happen. Um and we learned, uh, you know, a valuable lesson with winning, which is great. Um, and now, you know, I mean, we got 71 points. You know, the goal was to get 70 for the road trip. I mean, out this homestand. So the guys did a hell of a job. And now this 10 days is a, is a big, big thing for the guys. What's the level of confidence in this group right now within themselves, I guess, looking at third periods, whether it's winning or losing? How different is there an approach if you're down by three or the way you guys have played when leading going after two periods? Yeah, when you're, you know, to be a, an elite team, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have, you know, penalties. You're going to have some unfortunate bounces. You're going to have a lot of th- things. And, you know, th- these are the lessons and the, 
the road to that is these type of games, you know. Um, so you just learn, you keep growing as a team. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's just it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, you're happy for uh, the adversity that hits the team and how you react. That's how you look at players sometimes. And, you know, the whole team, actually. How good was the feeling in the room after the win there? I mean, you guys have a break ahead yeah. of you. How good are you feeling about yourself and the players and where the team's at right now? No, these guys, like, I went, like you know, the guys are happy, but nobody's, like, going crazy in there. Like, that's I kind of like that about this team. Even I mean, it was an exciting game. I think, obviously, guys were happy we won and they were on the ice celebrating. I think the fans were getting them excited, too. But in the room, it was like, there's, you know, yeah, good game or whatever. It wasn't – I didn't see a lot of going crazy. Um I don't know. It's kind of a good thing for me. It's like these guys are, whether they're evaluating certain things or they, you know, but they, they got, they got to enjoy themselves. Obviously this 10 days is, it's been a, it's been a, whatever, how many games, we had 50 games there. It's a, it's been a nice stretch, but we got a lot of, a lot of hockey left, a lot of, going to be a lot of adversity, a lot of pressure, a lot of stuff. So we got to deal with that stuff. Rick, elite teams always have that sense knowing that they're going to win the game, not believing, but knowing, are you starting to see that develop with this group? I think when we scored that power, I, we said with a couple of guys that I, I said if we can score this, you know, that start of the third. I, f- I felt when we scored that, you could see there was a little bit more belief. And you know, I, I think obviously guys were disappointed the way we managed the puck. We had too, too many turnovers. I mean, that's something we got to clean up. But I think when we scored that goal, you could hear the guys, "Hey, listen, let's stay with it here." You know, and it, it, even then, after we scored, it's like I said to the guys, "We don't have to like." hit a home run the next shift. Like, just let the game come to you. And we did. They got a couple of penalties because we were four-checking, and all of a sudden the power play gets us in the game. Five-minute major. Earlier yeah. in the week we talked about penalty kill. You yeah. said if we can clear the puck, that'll take us to the next level. By my yeah. count, I think you guys were seven of nine on clears on that five-minute major. That was probably a big key to it. Wow. Imagine. Yeah, that's, well, that's a good number because uh, we like that. You know, we've been uh, – We've been a little shaky on that, and um, I just like the rotation we had. Like guys were 20, 20 second shifts. I, we were buzzing, and like I said, it comes the, the crowd. Every time we iced it, they were on their feet. So I think you could tell the guys were coming. You know, it just it was a lot of buzz. It was it was fun. Yeah, you know, like I'm a big believer. If you defend, you get a clear. You get people off. Get fresh people, and I got to admit, those guys, you know, they worked it to. It was perfect the way they did it. I didn't have to say anything because I just told who was up, and they they just rotated themselves. What did you know about Brock before you came to Vancouver? Um, well, I, you know, like I, I'm good friends with Greeny about you know how, uh, as a good shooter, a streaky guy. Um, and then when I came here, um, you know, some of the the struggles that he's had um, and um, how he wanted to deal with all this sort of stuff. Um, so. I'm just happy for him. You know, he's uh, he worked hard this summer, and uh, you know, to have 30 goals and you know, like I said, 50 games. That's that's a hell of a, you know, he's not done. That's the thing. You know, he he knows that uh, there's a lot of hockey left. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-4 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets in overtime. Uh, on the other side, we'll take more of your reaction on the text inbox on the phone boards. We'll answer your questions. Ben had one about the trade deadline. A number of others texting in about it as well. And we'll continue the conversation as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on. Presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. It's Satin Big. More coming up on the other side. And home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Hal and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And Roslovic gets it high in the air to the Vancouver line. Myers knocks it down for Pugh Suter. Quickly up the left wing for Miller. Here's a chance for a two-on-one. Miller in front for Besser. He scores! The Canucks strike in transition, and Brock Besser, who hadn't scored in the last six games, gets them on the board to make it 2-1. to one. Starts with Myers holding the gap. Suter allowing him to stay up, and then Suter gets it, puts it up to Miller. And Besser drives the net. It's a two-on-one. Besser's got the inside lane. He just tips it. High glove. Nice finish. Canucks win 5-4 in overtime against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Come back from a 4-1 deficit to head into the All-Star break on a high note. Now on an 11-game point streak, 9 Oh, and two through that stretch. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, this one here says from G in Abbotsford, can't believe it, it's, it's just typical even when the team is winning, fans are still not happy. And I love it. Fans always give you guys a hard time for being critical of the team. But as soon as you're being positive about the team after years of failure, they give you a hard time that you don't. But don't worry, you're doing a great job. Uh, I just hope fans uh, would embrace this a bit more. Yes, we want to win the Stanley Cup. And even if they do, they'll say they didn't deserve it or complain about how it wasn't won the right way, where it's not a dynasty, G and Abbotsford says. But this text message says the caller in Tehran called in earlier. In Tarn. Tarn. Uh, called in earlier, and it was like, uh, are you happy with the win? Are you happy now they haven't done anything? And this text says, the last caller was right, and you guys know it. I texted in a while back that they haven't done anything yet, and we'll see how they do in the playoffs. It's never as good as it seems and never as bad as it seems. Stay level. Common mistake human, human beings make time and time again is getting too high and too low. The bar is now higher, as Rick Tockett has said many times. That means the fans and media's expectations should be higher, not just be satisfied with any win. It's about how they would stack up against the playoff teams and goes on to say, uh, the coach just echoed my sentiments. Well, somewhat he did. Now, the one thing I would say is, I don't think any of us on this postgame show, I mean, in terms of us analyzing, have said they're going to win the Stanley Cup. It's more about give them credit for where they are in the standings. You give them credit for what they're doing. If 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 the conversations were going to be like, oh, nice win, but we'll see what happens in the playoffs. What's the point of doing a two-hour postgame show? Like, what's the point of talking about the game if all you got to do is, like, well, let's see what happens in the playoffs. You know what, guys? Good win. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. Pedersen scored a game-winning goal, but hey, let's see what happens in the playoffs. Brock Pester had a hat-trick, but let's see what he does in the playoffs. Canucks came back from a 4-1 deficit, but hey, let's see what happens in the playoffs. Canucks scored three goals in the power play. Hey, but let's see what happens in the playoffs. I was wondering how you can draw out of here. They kill off a five-minute major, but let's see what, let's see what happens in the playoffs. If that's a conversation, so you always have to give credit where it's due. You analyze yeah. the game. You can be excited, but you can also be realistic. And the realistic thing is, yeah, this team obviously isn't perfect yet. That's why they're looking to add a, a deadline. And to answer Ben's question, I think we all agree. We'd love to see the team add a top six forward, you know, at the very least. A running mate for Elias Patterson, because as much as a lot of positives tonight, and Patterson was really, you know, on his game in the second half or in the third period at least, it still wasn't really as effective five-on-five five with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. They need to find a running mate for him, of course. And, you know, we'll see ultimately what happens in the next few weeks here. But I think this, that's the number one priority by the team here is to add somebody for that top six. Yeah, that line still feels like it's searching, uh, best-case scenario. And it, it's not entirely on Andre Kuzmenko, but, you know, th- he's searching for confidence in a big way. 
if you get a confident winger next to Elias Pettersson, does it start to sort some things out? And look, look 40's got to be better, too. Right? That second period was... I think the term I used on, on the intermission was disaster class. That play that opens up the scoring... You can't do that. You have to know it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You can still play for another play. Something this team has done so well at this season, but it has been mentioned by Rick Tockett of knowing how to manage the game. Even when you're frustrated, 0-0, zero, zero, you should have been up after 20 minutes. You still just have to play the next play. You can't skip ahead. And referencing hey, not doing home run plays, that's what JT Miller did later on in the period as well mm-hmm. on the Jake Bean goal. Like Besser's breaking the zone, got an opportunity to hit him for a 1v1 versus the t- versus the uh, defender, and he's looking to hit this home run pass. Well, the, the play wasn't there. Yeah. And so you invited more pressure from pressure from Chinikov, and that's the turnover. In goes Jake Bean, and suddenly you're in a bigger hole than you should have been had you just made a single, a double, and just play for the next play. Uh, so, so there were issues tonight, but the third period, they roar back, and they, they show that they were significantly the more talented team. They just had to match the effort. They did. And, it, and you know, I do agree. It wasn't super clean, as you mentioned. A lot of turnovers, puck management. The Canucks were fully in control in terms of territorial edge in this game. I mean, I mean uh, natural stat trick has a high danger chance of 10-3 in favor of Vancouver uh, at 5-on-5. Five five. And in terms of the expected goals, it was almost 70% for Vancouver 5-on-5 five five and 31% uh, for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, so if you want to look at the, even the fancy stats or whatever, I mean, it was heavily tilted in Vancouver's favor, 5-on-5 five five in this game, and of course, they were deadly on the power play. Alright, uh, we'll get to some more of your text messages coming up in a second, but let's continue on the phone boards. Uh, a couple people we want to get in. Let's go to Ryan and Inuvik. Ryan, thanks for hanging on to your line. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? My call. Uh, yes, you got what it. What you guys are talking about is totally leading into my question, but real quick before I ask my question, uh, I had a quick statement um, Tarn and Ladner with that call that this is a joke and uh, I guess uh, job's not done maybe a Kobe Bryant reference but aren't we sitting first in the league right now like yes what more job could we do did he think we we're gonna win 8-2 every single game this season I don't know uh, anyways on to my question <laughs> you got it I was uh, I was watching the Packers wild card game two weeks ago And they brought up on there, everyone talks about playoff experience, playoff experience. Uh, In the NFL, according to Fox, I think it was, the teams with less playoff experience have a higher winning percentage. Now, I know the NFL is different, 17-game season, every game counts a little bit more than it does in the NHL. And I know you guys probably can't answer this tonight, but I'll be tuning in on Monday, Canucks Central, hoping you can come up with an answer, see what the stats what does the NHL say about that? Does playoff experience, by the numbers, actually lead into a better winning percentage? I'm not saying one way or the other. I think it would still be good to add a veteran guy. But I'm curious to know, because that's a big knock that people have been given against this team. Where's mm-hmm. the playoff experience? Does that actually lead into, by the numbers, does that lead into a higher winning percentage? I'm just curious. Hey, uh, you know what? Great question. We'll try to dig into that a bit more accurately. Gave I'm not us even a go- sure how to dig into I got that. homework homework now over the weekend. Yeah. You're taking next week off. You yeah, don't care. I, I, Breach is going to Cabo, week. so I'm going to be the one doing all the homework. That's I thought I could email. watch football tomorrow, and i got to sit here and do research. That's Come an on. email to Sportsnet Stats, and I'm Man. really sure they're going to have to uh, break it's like that the, It's like the worst than teachers giving you homework over Christmas uh, break. But, well, no, to answer the question quickly, I don't think a team has won the Stanley Cup without – in the cap era at the very least, without having had some level of playoff appearances beforehand. I mean, the only one I can think of winning a cup 
not making the playoffs the previous year was the no no the LA Kings in twenty twenty yeah I think they missed the playoffs in twenty eleven they made it in twenty ten the, the Canucks Gowdy beat them made the playoffs absolutely yeah twenty ten the Canucks beat them yeah. in the first round did they miss in twenty eleven and then make it in twenty twelve again way, they've made even it they had a playoff point. appearance yeah. in between that I mean I think they're the only team that won after missing the playoffs I could be wrong but they at least had some level of playoff experience so to answer the question off the top of my head in the in the cap era, which is most relevant to you know what we want to compare to. I don't think a team has won the Stanley Cup without uh, having some level of success. Even the Blackhawks, when they won their first cup in 20, uh, 2010, they made the Western Conference Final mm-hmm. in 2009, their first year making the playoffs. They got all the way to the Western Conference Final. So the Penguins lost to the Red Wings and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, they had some Red Wings losses. I the am... Capitals had a lot of you know oh, losses boy. in the first round before they got there. The Blues, did they miss the playoffs the previous year? But the year before, I think they had made it. So you know, I don't think there's been a team that's like – Yeah, so Kings lost in the first round in 2011. That's from Fast Eddie. Yeah. So not even them. Uh, I guess it would be the Blues. But they had also some playoff experience. They you know, must have made the playoffs before then. They had before, but not yeah. the previous year. So right, but the I mean, group—it's about the group having experience. Experience is experience, right? I don't, I don't necessarily care if it comes the year before, but nevertheless, I am a big believer in the idea that um, experience is only necessary for those who are unqualified. Oh, right. Yes. If, if you're skilled, you're skilled. Yeah, I it, mean, it's, it's asking a lot for a team to win a Stanley Cup without any experience. Absolutely. But this team, but, technically, but this group has experience. Yeah, like or the the core guys yes. at the very least, right? As a group together, they they didn't, right? Um, you know, oh yeah, Vegas won the cup after missing the playoffs the previous year, but that team made a cup final. Yeah, you know, so I mean, different cast of characters, but a lot but of yes. the same players, obviously, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, interesting question for Ryan. We'll try to dig into it a bit more. Uh, didn't Vegas miss? Is what one question says. Uh, Brandon and Poco, job's not done for the Rioters. <laughs> is that easy? To say? Come on, come on, come on. Man. It's uh, low hanging fruit here. Uh, a lot of reaction. Uh, Aichi in Toronto. Canucks need to pick up a second line center before the trade deadline. Let's wait and see what happens in the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Let's see what happens <laughs> uh, come the postseason. All right. I-, I think we have time to squeeze in another call or two. Let's go to New West, where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? My call, guys. Um, first off, you know, it's Hockey Day in Minnesota, so it's kind of fitting that Brock Besser gets a hat trick, right? Oh, that's I mean, fantastic. That's right on. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, come back, you know, I don't care how they did it. I mean, they just find a way to get it done and got two points going into the All-Star break and their first overall in the NHL standings. And, uh, you know, that was impressive coming back, right, down 4-1. I mean, they were the better team in the first period. And then the third period, you know, they even overcame that five-minute major and, you know, won the game in overtime. So kudos to them. And, uh, yeah, you know, basically got the time off going into a big road trip in Carolina and then in Boston. Uh, it's going to be an important road trip to uh, bank some points and, uh, you know, solidify that lead um, in the Pacific Division and hopefully, you know, obviously the first overall. And uh, before I let you go, uh, one question. Do you guys think that Cody Rhodes, by winning the Royal Rumble, do you think that he's <laughs> going to finish the story at WrestleMania 40 and win the WWE title against Roman Reigns? Big set. If you can answer that for me, that'll be great. Wait, hang on, and hang on, hang on, hang on, Sean. Yeah. Didn't Cody Rhodes yeah. win the Royal Rumble last year too? He did, but he didn't finish the story as he lost to Roman Reigns. Do you guys oh. think this year he goes in to Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field and wins the WWE Undisputed <laughs> title? Or do you think he challenges Seth Rollins for the world title instead and The Rock wrestles Roman Reigns? And I'll hang up and listen and hope you guys have a good all-star break. Bye-bye. Th- thanks so much, Sean. You know what? I, I, I have, I'm totally taking guess in the dark here, but I would say that Roman Reigns finds, fights The Rock. That's, that would be my guess because The Rock's getting back into it again. Yeah. 
I, I say uh, Rhodes finishes the story, as Sean put it there. Yeah. Back-to-back back Rumble to... <laughs> wins and then WrestleMania L's? That would be harsh. That would be harsh. But, hey, man, life is harsh. We know wrestling can be very harsh life's as well. Real. So, I mean, who knows, right? All right, uh, let's continue on here. Let's go to Don and Bella Bella. Don, thanks for call- calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Well, hey there. I was going to let you guys know that uh, my daughter and her husband went to the game with 14 friends from Comox. So, uh, really glad they see that great comeback. Anyways, uh, I wouldn't give up on them knowing they had a power play going into the third. But I have a question for you. Um, <clears throat> if they bring in, there's so many rumors out there for the deadline. If they bring in players like we're hearing Genzel or, you know, even possibly Tanev for the trade deadline, um, doesn't that mean that the Canucks would have to move money out to do this? Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. I'll listen to your answer. Hey, Don, thanks for the phone call. I'm glad that uh, friends and family came and, and, and saw a fun game tonight. Fantastic to see a, a 5-4 overtime thriller, a comeback victory by your Vancouver Canucks. Uh, yes, to answer his question, yes. If the Canucks are, are going to add a significant player, they're going to have to move somebody out. Like even, even if you wanted to do it at the bare minimum, and you know we mentioned this, to retain, let's say, you know Elias Lindholm, for instance, right? Like There is a way for them to tr- acquire Elias Lindholm, Without trading a Kuzmenko or a Mikheyev or or a Besser or anything like that, right? You could do a Hoaglander, for instance. But like, there's no way you can trade for somebody without moving a Hoaglander out, potentially. Moving a Kuzmenko out, potentially. So to answer his question, it's going to be next to impossible for the Canucks unless they can utilize long-term injury relief until the end of the season for them to make an acquisition without trading somebody off the roster. So, yes, to answer the question. Facts only there. Yeah. Uh, you and I were actually actively debating about this today. Not that I need to expose the group chats here, but uh, trying to work out the cab gymnastics of it the rest of the way. Uh, with LTIR that they got, Poolman, Susie, PDG, and, and, and trying to figure all that out. Um, Breezebaugh. Is, is there an opportunity to uh, leverage maybe some, some roster gymnastics too of a guy going down? It's... It's very tight. It's very tight. I mean, there are ways they can maybe pull it off in the yeah. short term, but at some point they would be stuck in a cap conundrum activating players. Yeah. So that's where it comes in, you know. And uh, ultimately, if you look at, let's say, if they wanted to add two players, you know, a higher end guy and another depth mm-hmm. player, it's just impossible to add more than one guy or even one guy or even, you know, two it's, it's, without moving yeah. something out. Like it's, it's kind of what they have to do. And that's where, you know, the um, – the tricky part of the deadline comes in because the team has said they don't want to make too many changes to the roster, but without making changes to the roster, you can't add to the roster. So how far are they willing to go? And I know a lot of people point to Kuzmenko as the obvious player, but again, a guy making $5.5 million on the cap this year and next year, that struggled. You're not really negotiating from a position of strength. And is, is the buying team um, going to be like a playoff team? Like How, how robust is that market uh, in you – know, this climate of what Kuzmenko is playing like right now. Yeah. It, it, it might just be like those tweener playoff teams or a team that's on the really low end trying to 
throwing you junk. Just say, hey, how bad do you want to move the money? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, I think a lot of people mention that they talk about adding high-end players and, you know, Gensel or, you know, Lindholm or, or another top six guy. Sean and uh, – uh, in North Van, texted in a bit earlier and asked about Corrales scored against Vancouver. Like, would he be a depth type of player that you look at? I think the issue with a player like Corrales, Bick, is if you're at, let's say you are adding Lindholm or let's say you are adding Gensel, he might be almost too expensive to add in because I think he makes 2.75 on the cap, something along those lines, and I think he has another year or two left on his contract as well. And I'm just not sure that that type of player that would be a real luxury depth position add is a type of player that can actually make room for on the roster. Uh, 650, 650, this one, is there a chance Mikheyev gets traded? Uh, I, I don't see that scenario. Happening. I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, is it a chance? Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. especially with how this front office has gone. Uh, Augusto and Richmond asks, what about Sean Monaghan? Where are you at with Sean Monaghan? Again, I really like the player. And he's battled back through a couple of things, which is always very impressive. I just don't see the fit. Because the, the thing they need, too, is some team speed as well. So is he going to play second-line center and you keep the lotto line together? So it's, on, it's upon Sean Monaghan to get the most out of Kuzmenko and Mikheyev at this stage? That feels like a big ask. And y- y- is he stout enough that he, he dictates matchups for an opposing coach? Yeah. I, I'm not entirely convinced. And so you're not going to use him in a third-line role a checking role, so now he's getting relegated to a fourth-line spot. It's just it's just weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to cost a lot. Yeah, I'm just not – I'm not sh- comfortable enough with him being a top-six player on a team that's going to be going deep in the playoffs and giving up what, it, what it's required to acquire him, right? Um, if he was coming in and slotting in, say, on your third line, you had the room to put him in and you had extra assets, sure, but not for what this team kind of – uh, needs to add in how I would view it at least. K-Man for Quillum says, what are your thoughts on this deal? Saw it on Twitter earlier today. Cody Glass and Dante Fabro for Kizmenko. Uh, no, I mean, I just don't know if it, me. I think what you're getting is um, depth. Yeah. You're not getting a lot of cap space in the move. You're getting a little bit, but not a lot. What problem is that solving? It's not solving solving anything. All like, you really it's, it's more bodies. It's, yeah, you're getting depth. Yeah, but you're not you're getting somebody for your top six. You're not getting somebody for your top four. You're getting a guy who's a six seven on this team. Like if if Fabro comes to this team, mm-hmm. he's maybe not playing every day, right? Cody Glass would probably play every day or be vying for it, but in a bottom six role. You know, so I mean, I'm just not. It doesn't excite me enough. Like if, especially with not getting enough cap space in that move. If you have more cap space in it, then maybe I'd, I'd look at it. Uh, Bao texted in earlier uh, asking us for our ideal trade targets. We did this uh, earlier this week on, on Canuck Central. We'll, we'll rehash it here really quickly. Uh, but it was essentially, you and I were both in on Middlestat, Buchnevich, and Toffoli? Toffoli, if yeah. he becomes available. If New Jersey kind of falls out of the playoff which race, which I believe they got uh, whooped tonight, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, 6-3 to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the Devils sitting there with 51 points. Uh, Penguins, Islanders ahead of them. And the Leafs and Red Wings have the wild card spots right now. So there's six back of Detroit. Two games in hand on Detroit. So it's, it's, it's kind of fading for them. And Pittsburgh got a big one uh, against uh, Montreal. So again, the Gensel thing to me is predicated on if they're out of the race. Exactly. And they, they're still kind of clawing their way back into this. They have three games in hand on Detroit with six, six backs. So and, they can claw their way back. And maybe the, one of the reasons you keep hearing more rumors about Elias Lindholm is because clearly Calgary is looking to sell and he's probably 
Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the market right now, players available and teams willing to move players, he's probably the most available of the guys, and that's probably why you're hearing more links to him. And Adam Adam yeah. Henrique being the other guy you're hearing and links to. They just hit a losing skid. They win yeah. tonight, obviously, but they just hit a losing skid. The thing is, the Western playoff race is uninspiring right yeah. now it's, as far as who's going to grab that last wild card. Nashville sitting there, 53 points. The Calgary just lost four in a row. And they're four back. Yeah, they're like the bar hasn't moved away so no. f- so far away from them. So if they're two points out come February, late, late February, are they gonna pack it in? They might, but yeah, it might be tough. They might be asking for a premium. Be like, hey, you're asking us to sell our season too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, CP asks this question, and he texted in earlier saying he's been a Brock Star supporter all along and, and fought with the fans over the years that he should still be considered a core player and is happy to see him have success. And he asks us, would you prefer getting Tanev or Lindholm? If you had to choose one. I, my initial re- reaction is like, why not both? Like, you know, love to have both. But if you had to choose one. if You know what? I'd rather have Tanev than Zadorov or Myers or even Juleson, of course, right? And maybe even instead of Cole. But you need that top six player. You and if they really had if they hadn't added Zadorov, I would have said Tanev. I'd, be like, I'd rather just shore up the defense. Are these my only options? Yeah, it's, it's one or the other. If I had to choose one of, one of those two, I would say I would lean Lindholm. I'd love to add both. I would lean Lindholm because I think that there's a bigger need right now in your top six than your top four. Yeah. I mean, it's very close, but that's kind of how I've, I would I've feel made it. my feelings known on on the high end rental market. Yeah. So I'm technically neither, but if that's not an option, I will lean towards Lindholm. That's a tough one, though. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, this one says Toffoli and Lindholm. Canucks need to- two top six players, not just one. Well, I mean, hey, that would be absolutely terrific, but. You only have so many assets. You only have so much cap space. Can you pull all that off? And if they do, I mean, it would be quite the coup by Canucks management. Uh, a lot of reaction continues on the t- text inbox. I'd, I'd like to drop an apology, too. To who? Uh, a, a lot of folks are texting us and tweeting us. About what? Uh, spoiling the Royal Rumble. What happened? We, we had the calls that, that spoiled the Royal Rumble. That was tonight. Some people are waiting to watch it. Oh, people are texting about that? Yeah. We, we, we got in a few tweets and texts about it. Uh, so... I mean, I, I mean, we I, didn't say anything. It wasn't us. Occupational hazard. Listen to a live show. But if it ruined your night, look, we're sorry about that. I, 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 I apologize, yes. I suppose. But, I mean. It's it's rough. It's rough. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see that. Uh, Nav, Nav, Nav on uh, Twitter. Thanks to that jerk that spoiled the ending <laughs> of the Royal Rumble, Rumble of the postgame. Just stick to the topic, idiot. <laughs> I was going to watch it today. Wow. People are fired up. Anyways. All right. Six, I, I, six, I, don't six, think, I don't think, you know, Nate, you know, um, Who's I've gotten a few more personal texts on such. You did, yes. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think Sean and New West meant to spoil. Anything. I know. You just I know. A, a question. I get it. Uh, <laughs> Six fifty. Six fifty. Uh, you know, I read that one. Read that one. Read, are, are we out of text here? Well, I don't think we're out of text, but we we might be caught up in text messages that just came through. I mean, it's been a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Ooh, this tonight. one. Okay, we're getting hypothetical trades now. Uh, basketball, Phil. If you could add Brandon Tanner or Yanni Gord. Oh, I'm taking Yanni Gord. Without a, without a shadow of a doubt, to play second line center, yeah, I'd be fine in, in playoffs. Like he he can give you enough of a, of a bottom line, and he just checked the crap out of like he can play eighteen nineteen minutes in playoffs and crush. Like what a, what a, what did Brock what did uh, Kevin Bieksa say about him? He'd pay him eight million bucks just for what he does in the playoffs. Yeah, oh, I love Yanni Gord. Um, I mean, like it's not like a, a Tanev Miller Besser line would be a lot of fun though. Yeah, it'd be fun. A lot of fun. Plus, it starts the. 
early recruitment campaign on Chris Tanner. But if you get if you get Yanni Gord, then yeah. you just reunite the lotto line and you create a checking yeah, line. That's true. You put Mikheyev with uh, Gord and figure out who the third guy is, and they're just going to go match up against the other team's Final top lines. Or, or Lafferty. Or Laff- I think Lafferty. You yeah. put Lafferty, Mikheyev, and Gord. Maybe they won't score a ton, but they'll check the living you-know-what out of the opposition. But if you're going to Seattle, go grab a, a Will Bork. <laughs> Will you, or Adam Larson. Or Adam Larson. Right-hand defense. There's honestly like four guys out of Seattle I think would fit perfectly here. Tanev, <laughs> Gord, Larson and Borgen. Yeah. Just they would just like slot in perfectly and you, you could see immediately how it would make sense. Mike asks, uh, trade Zadorov back to Calgary uh, for Tanev. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I can you imagine the old buyback? Send it to him at a, like a higher cost as well. Yeah. <laughs> imagine getting a second back in return. Uh, all right. Are we good? I, f- I feel like we're not getting a guest here. No, we're not. Uh, we we're so no Ian McIntyre tonight. Yeah. Um, we were effort. It was, so the game ended up ended up running oh, yeah. late. Uh, you know, so many reviews, so many late. goals. Game didn't end until after ten o'clock. Uh, we were efforting to get Kevin Woodley up here, but hey, we're fresh out of time. Not only on the post game show, but we couldn't uh, get Woodley on the show either. So no guests, but. You know, we got to the finish line. Fantastic stuff, and Bick can't wait to get on vacation. Like he's just he's trying to get out this door as soon as he possibly can. He's off next week. I'm not. Job's I'm over, Sat. I'm happy. Look, Job you're fat finished. and happy. Look at Bick is all Job fat finished. and happy. Are you happy? You, I'm happy. You Job's better finished. you better show up after the All Star break being in shape. I don't want to see you like you know laboring doing a two hour show with me on the post game. Oh, uh, I got things planned. I got things. You got to work on your uh, on your stamina over the uh, week. <laughs> Just going to be sitting at coffee shops launching takes. <laughs> Launch as many takes as what you What do you guys think about Grande Lattes? <laughs> I know what Big's going to text me about, you know, trade fits yet again. Hey, what do you think about this player? <laughs> Tommy Novak might be the answer. 3 right. a.m. Marcus <laughs> Johansson takes. Get way, way too many of them. All right. Hey, fantastic stuff on the text inbox. Appreciate every single one of you texting in, all of you for calling in and those listening. Even if you don't call in, we always appreciate you be part of the postgame show. A fantastic first half of the season for your Vancouver Canucks, sitting at 71 points on the campaign, 49 games in. Come back tonight after a 4-1 deficit to win 5-4. He's Bick Nazar. Well, we're not doing a postgame for 10 days here. Well, that's a long so, time. Uh, Big shout out to everyone through 49 games here, competing in the inbox, competing in the phone line. We get 10 games away for, or 10 days away for each other, so I uh, can't wait to see what everyone's got in the second half of the season. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I'm, I'm absolutely psyched for it. Uh, and uh, the stretch run, uh, we're not satisfied yet. We'll be satisfied if the Canucks keep this going, however. All right. Uh, thanks to all of you. Thanks to Bick Nazar. Thanks to Lena. Thanks to Eddie for producing the show. I'm Satyar Shaw, and this has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.